Hi everyone, and welcome back. My name is Sajal Parikh, and I'm your host today. You're listening to Precision Bites, talking with patients about weight management, a podcast of simulated clinical encounters dealing with motivational interviewing and weight management in a variety of social contexts. Today, the provider will see Mr. Davis, a 33-year-old white male with mild cognitive impairment, unspecified mental illness, homelessness, and a BMI of 17. He is presenting for an initial weight consultation, and he is plugged into public assistance services such as CalFresh. He also has a regular mental health team that he sees. Here are the things we want you to take away from this episode. 1. How to gather and interpret information about where homeless patients obtain food. 2. How to instruct homeless patients about food storage and preparation. And 3. How to offer anticipatory guidance about nutrition to your homeless patients. Hope you enjoy! Part 1. All the other things. Come in. Hi, Mr. Davis. Thanks for coming in today. How are you doing? I'm okay, Doc. So how's everything going? Uh, you know, it's okay. Um, saw my sister a couple weeks ago. Uh, first time in a while. It was good. Uh, she has kids now. Oh, good. Glad to hear you were able to see her. Will you see her again sometime soon? <clears throat> Maybe. I don't know. She said she'll call me if she has time later. Okay. I hope you get to see her again. So, how's the housing situation? Uh, well, there's... Not really a situation, Doc. Any word on the shelter you wanted? Uh, no, they're pretty full. You have to line up around lunch to get in at night, but um, I don't know, Doc. I just, I don't know. I tried staying in one a month ago or something like that, and some stole my meds. I mean, I don't know if I want to stay in one if my stuff just gets stolen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it just seems, it just doesn't seem safe. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. Are there any other shelters that you know of that are better? I don't know. My friend stayed in one. Maybe I'll ask him. Okay. And our social worker can give you a list as well. He'll tell you which ones other patients tend to like. Okay. Okay. And have you been able to make it to your other appointments, the appointments with Dr. Singh and her team? I think I had an appointment a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I made it to that. Yeah. I like her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, good. And you've been taking the meds she prescribes? Yeah. Uh, someone stole my meds when I was in that shelter a couple weeks ago, but she gave me some more, so that was good. At least on the street, people don't steal your stuff as often. Okay, so you have enough right now? Uh, medicine? Yeah. Do you have enough medicine right now? Yeah. Okay, good. So I wanted to talk about your weight and what you're eating, but before we get to that, anything you want to talk to me about? Uh. I don't think so. Last time you told me a lot to quit smoking, uh, I cut down. (laughs) Great. I'm glad to hear that. How much are you at now? Uh, About a pack and a half. And how much were you at before? Two packs a day-ish, something like that. Okay, so you're down half a pack. That's great. Keep up the good work. The less you smoke, the better it is for your lungs, your heart, and everything. Yeah. Are you using the gum or patches or anything like that to help you? Nope. Just the willpower. (laughs) Would you like the patches or gum or anything? No. Uh, No thanks. Okay. Well, they're always here for you in case you want them. And you have the number for the hotline, right? Okay. Great. 
Well, I wanted to talk to you about your weight and diet today. Can I ask you some questions about that? Sure. Pearl 1, all the other things. So this is a nutrition podcast, and the first quarter of this episode had nothing to do with nutrition. Homeless patients like Mr. Davis often have a myriad of medico-social problems, including poverty, a lack of social support, and mental illness. We recognize the gravity of these issues and the need to check on these topics before talking about nutrition. However, it is important to not kick the weight can too far down the road. Before the provider talks with Mr. Davis about nutrition, we wanted to briefly review some background about homelessness. In the early 1950s, the homeless were documented as mainly alcoholic men confined to Skid Row neighborhoods. The introduction of the first antipsychotic, Thorazine, in the 1950s and Medicare in the 1960s allowed for the era of deinstitutionalization of the mentally ill. Deinstitutionalization consisted mainly of two parts. First, moving the mentally ill out of psychiatric institutions, and second, closing these institutions. On top of these trends, the popularization of recreational drugs and addiction in the late 1960s created the perfect storm for homelessness. Thus, now, the homeless are a heterogeneous population, including the chronically mentally ill, substance users, and the situationally distressed, or new poor. In this encounter, Mr. Davis suffers from mental illness for which he sees a psychiatrist and is on prescription medication. Unfortunately, not all patients are as plugged in as Mr. Davis. In 2015, it was estimated that half a million people were without shelter nationwide on a given night. However, this number changes with the definition of homelessness and economic fluctuations. The homeless can also include people in transitional shelters or emergency housing. So where does this diverse group of people get their food? Unfortunately, the granular data is generally available on a city-to-city or county-to-county basis. In the state of California, the city of Sacramento collected primary data from approximately 800 homeless people. This information was compiled into a report, which stated that homeless people typically get their food from five different places. These places include soup kitchens, of which more than half are in churches or from faith-based organizations, shelters, food banks, through personal connections to grocery stores, and sidewalk giveaways. Obviously, the first step to proper nutrition is having enough of it. Know your local resources and keep these resources in mind as you develop plans to optimize your homeless patient's nutrition. Part 2. Gathering Information Okay, great. Well, I wanted to talk to you about your weight and diet today. Can I ask you some questions about that? Sure. So your weight's on the low end for your height, and I want to do what I can to get you enough food and the food that's good for you. Okay. Okay, so how many meals do you think you're eating per day? Well, so I'm on food stamps, so I get those every month. Um, So in the beginning, maybe I have uh, uh, three meals a day, but they usually run out by the second week or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then I used to go to a kitchen near that shelter, but now I'm not going to that shelter, so that kitchen is too far. So uh, sometimes my friends and I go get something from McDonald's or something like that. Uh, Yeah, and uh, by the end of the month, maybe I'm having one to two meals a day. Okay, and when you do get your food stamps, where do you usually spend them? What? What stores do you use the food stamps in? Oh, uh, uh, there's a corner store near where I am, so usually there. 
Uh, sometimes if it's cold, I'll just go to a pizza place and get hot food. Okay, anything else? Well, some other restaurants and places. Okay. I only ask because the food is usually a lot cheaper at bigger stores like Walmart and Grocery Outlet. You could get a lot more food for your money at places like that. I don't want you to be down to one meal a day by the end of the month, and maybe shopping at cheaper places could help with that. Really? Yeah, I really encourage you to shop at those places. Most big stores will be cheaper than the corner store, and the foods at places like Walmart might be a little fresher. Is there a Walmart or grocery outlet near where you are? Uh, I don't know. Okay, at the end of the visit, let's look it up together. Okay. And Mr. Davis, you know you can use the CalFresh at farmer's markets? You know, sometimes the farmer's markets even give you $2 worth of food for a dollar of CalFresh stamps. Really? But I don't think there's one near where I am. Okay, but I just want you to keep in mind in case you do see or hear of a farmer's market close to you. Okay, and uh, Mr. Davis, are there pantries that you like to use? Uh, what? Do you go to a food bank? No, not really. Okay, those are good too for when you run out of food. I like the food bank on 4th Ave because it has really good fresh food. I just want to make sure you're getting enough fruits and vegetables, you know. That pantry gives away fresh fruits and vegetables. I don't know, Doc. Where am I supposed to keep all that stuff? It goes bad and then it smells and I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. It's really important for you to eat fruits and vegetables, so let's try to find a way that they can stay better for longer. It's hard when there's not a fridge or a kitchen, so I get where you're coming from. What kind of foods are you worried about going bad? Just like fruits and stuff. And then there's so many flies. It just seems like a mess. I gave up on milk so long ago. It stays good for like six hours, and then it sours. Okay. There are some ways to help these foods last longer. Can I tell you about some of them? <sighs> yeah. So there are two main things that we can do to help food keep good without using a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. First, keep the food out of direct sunlight. That will heat up the food and attract bugs. So keep the fruit and vegetables covered and cool. Another thing we can do is store food in containers to stop bugs from getting to it. I think airtight containers are the best. Yeah, but aren't the containers expensive? I think you can find pretty cheap ones at Walmart. And you just need one or two, not a whole set or anything. I think if you're able to store fruits and vegetables in the cool place and keep them covered, they might stay better for longer. Okay, but that doesn't work for meat or milk, right? Yeah, that's a good point. For meat, I'd really try to avoid storing it because it can go bad quickly, and it can make you super sick if it's not cooked the whole way. If you want, you could carry some canned tuna or something, but probably not chicken or something like that. And I'm glad you brought up milk. That's something I worry about for my patients who can't store dairy for a while. What if you got a milk box with some of the meals you eat out? That way you'll just get a one-time serving so you don't have to store it. Uh, I'll see. Okay. I just want to make sure you get enough vitamins and minerals, you know? Fruits and vegetables have a lot of good vitamins, and milk has a lot of calcium that's good for your bones and muscles. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else I can do for calcium? Uh, I don't know how I feel about the milk boxes. Sure. Is it the milk box that you're not a fan of, or milk in general? Uh, the milk box. In that case, powdered milk is a good idea. That way you can make some whenever you want. Broccoli and dark leafy green vegetables like spinach are also good for calcium. Okay. Okay, so I have to store those to get calcium. And I have to get the Tupperware boxes to store those. Okay, got it. Sorry, just reminding myself. No, that's great. And last thing I wanted to ask you about. What type of food are you usually getting when you get prepared food? Uh, usually something warm. Uh, something with meat. Uh, some of the churches like serving meatloaf. 
some of the kitchens, like serving mac and cheese, just stuff like that. I guess whatever is easy for them. Okay, so not many vegetables at the prepared meals? No, not too many. Okay. Well, we talked about some places you can get extra vegetables, like grocery outlet and farmer's markets and the pantry on 4th Ave. We recommend all our patients eat more fruits and vegetables and less unhealthy fats and sugars. Hmm. Pearl 2. Gathering Information In this part of the encounter, the provider spends a significant amount of time understanding Mr. Davis's current food behaviors and habits. Understanding where Mr. Davis gets his food provides insight into the nutritional content of that food. For example, the typical food provided in homeless shelters is high in fat, low in fiber, and inadequate in most vitamins and minerals. In comparison, the food provided in soup kitchens is often adequate in protein, but inadequate in fiber and micronutrients. It is important to mention that many homeless patients do not receive public assistance, such as food stamps. In fact, in Sacramento, 53% of homeless people do not receive California food stamps, known as CalFresh benefits. Of those who do receive benefits, 65% receive only enough to cover two to three weeks per month. In the case that your patient does not receive public assistance, you can recommend a couple of things. Food is often cheaper at grocery outlets and large chain stores such as Walmart. If you're familiar with local resources, you can also recommend that your patients go to a food pantry that imposes regulations on donations or has healthier food. Mr. Davis is fortunate in that he's plugged into social services and receiving CalFresh benefits. The provider points out that many farmers markets even give extra value, up to twice as much in tokens to use at the markets in exchange for CalFresh benefits. Other public meal assistance programs include WIC, free and reduced-price lunch and breakfast for school-aged children, and Meals on Wheels. However, each of these programs has different criteria for qualification, so know what local resources are available and how to connect your patients with a social worker. So now that we've talked about the food that's offered to homeless patients, let's talk about how to counsel these patients on what food to accept, if they have that choice. According to a survey of homeless people in Sacramento, most homeless people know how to classify foods as generally healthy versus generally less healthy. They could also identify fresh fruits and vegetables as healthy. When you counsel your patients, try to keep it simple. What do you want your patients to eat more of, and what do you want them to eat less of? After obtaining food, the next step is food storage and preparation. This is a particular challenge for homeless patients as nearly 60% have no access to food storage facilities and up to 84% have no access to any kind of cooking facilities. So what should you tell your patients? First, focus on food storage. If possible, encourage your patients to buy a couple of airtight Tupperware boxes and a can opener from inexpensive chain stores like Walmart. Store the food in these containers. That will keep the bugs out and protect food from direct heat. If your patient doesn't regularly have access to running water and soap, you can recommend that they buy a bottle of hand sanitizer to clean their hands before handling food. Encourage your patients to get foods that won't spoil fast and don't need to be refrigerated, such as vegetables, fruits, nuts, and canned goods. Avoid buying meat. Keep food out of direct sunlight to prevent it from spoiling faster. For example, store food in the middle of a backpack or under a tarp. 
While these suggestions may still require more money than your patient can afford, it can be helpful to introduce these ideas to get the conversation about food safety and food storage started. Part 3. Planning it out. Okay, Mr. Davis, we talked about a lot of different things. Before I forget, can we look up some Walmarts or other big stores close to you? I just want to be able to maximize the amount of food you can buy with your CalFresh stamps. Okay, so in general, I'm on the corner of Q Street and 10th Ave. Okay, so let me type that into the map site. Let me can see what's around you. Okay, so it looks like... Oh, you're right. There's not too many big stores close to you. Uh, you well, what's, what? what about this one? Do you think there's a way you could get to that grocery outlet? No, I don't think so. That's pretty far. How do you get around now? The bus? Yeah, mainly the bus. Okay. Do you see any big stores along your normal routes? Uh, hmm. Let me see. I take the 53, and that usually goes up and down here. Uh, oh, yeah. I could make it to that grocery outlet. Okay, great. I'm glad we found one that works for you. Oh, and I almost forgot. Do you know where that food bank with the healthy food is, the one on 4th? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, let me find it. Here it is. It's on this corner on 4th. Okay. And this says it's open most days. The hours are good. Okay. I'll see if I can swing by there once I'm out of stamps. Okay, and I am copying and pasting these addresses into your paperwork so you can have that information after you leave here. One more thing, I just wanted to check in about social support too. In case you need an emergency ride or you don't have enough food, is there someone you can call? Uh, maybe my sister, but I don't know. It's still pretty new. Okay, yes, I understand. I will make a note in our records that may be your sister. Anyone else you can think of? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Okay, just wanted to get a sense for that. Okay, Mr. Davis, I know you have to get going pretty soon for your next appointment, so let's recap what changes we're going to make to help you get to a healthier weight. Pearl 3, planning it out. While this last section may have seemed a little mundane, we wanted to highlight the importance of clear anticipatory guidance. With patients like Mr. Davis who have some mild cognitive impairment, clear instructions with preemptive troubleshooting can increase the likelihood of behavior change and health outcomes. We recommend in-depth anticipatory guidance for the following areas. 1. Affordability. Map out close-by grocery outlets, chain stores like Walmart, and food pantries. Second, anticipate challenges with transportation. Try to plan for two different transportation methods that the patient can use reliably. In this encounter, the provider helped Mr. Davis plan a bus route and an emergency ride from his sister. Third, plan out food storage. Remind your patients about the importance of keeping food out of direct light. If your patients can afford it, emphasize the utility of Tupperware boxes and a can opener. Since canned food can withstand most environmental conditions, it is ideal for homeless patients. Canned vegetables are significantly lower in vitamin B and C and higher in sodium than fresh or frozen vegetables. However, fat-soluble vitamins such as vitamin E and A 
are not dramatically decreased with canning. All of this being said, Mr. Davis is likely choosing between fewer fresh vegetables and more canned vegetables due to his financial constraints. He would likely benefit more from the increased intake of fiber and complex carbs in canned vegetables as compared to the extra beta-carotene in a fewer number of fresh carrots. It is important to note that the scientific jury is still out on many of these nutrition topics, so the provider does have to make a judgment call on recommendations. Think about your recommendations in context of the patient's financial means and other health issues. We feel comfortable recommending canned vegetables to Mr. Davis despite the loss of water-soluble vitamins B and C and increased sodium. Part 4. Closing Okay, so Mr. Davis, I know you have another appointment after this, and I don't want you to miss it. Can we just go over the things we're going to change again? I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. Oh, uh, uh, I think I forgot the first one. I think we were talking about where you get your food stamps. Oh, right. Okay, so, yeah, and that's why we mapped out the bus routes. Okay, uh, uh, the first thing is to use my CalFresh at bigger stores like Walmart and Grocery Outlet. Right, and that's because you'll be able to buy more food with the food stamps at those bigger stores, and mm. farmer's mm. markets are compared to the corner store. Okay, right, mm -hmm. and then the second thing you said, the uh, containers, uh, right? Yeah, exactly, so you can store fruits and vegetables. And I know you were worried about the food going bad. Yeah, so you told me that if I store the food out of the sun and cover it, that it could stay better for longer. Right, and I wanted to add something here. Mr. Davis, do you like canned tuna or canned beans or things like that? Maybe. Uh, I guess it depends. Okay, then maybe it's a good idea to get a can opener, too. Just two Tupperware boxes and one can opener. I think if you can open cans, then you can get low-salt canned meat and beans and even canned vegetables. Just remember to get the low-salt kind of canned foods. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you told me about the, the containers and the can opener. Um, and then... Um, were we talking about the, the, the pantry for after the CalFresh is done? Yeah, and we mapped out where the one with the healthy one on 4th is and how you're going to get there. <sighs> yeah, so those three things. Yeah, great. So buying food at bigger stores, get a couple containers and a can opener, and the food pantry. Oh, and we talked about the milk. Mm. How you might want to try powdered milk or broccoli instead of the milk boxes? Sure, milk, okay. Okay, great, Mr. Davis. How about we check back in a month and see how these changes went with the new round of CalFresh? Okay. Actually, I see you have another appointment with Dr. Singh in six weeks. Why don't we just meet then? Saves you another trip. And anything else I can help you with today? Don't you need any forms filled out or need the social worker at all? No, I don't think I need to talk to him. Uh, okay, sounds good. Thanks, Doc. Thanks, Mr. Davis. See you in six weeks. Pearl 4, Closing In this part of the encounter, the provider discusses opportunities for change with Mr. Davis, finalizes a plan, and gets buy-in for follow-up appointments. Together, the provider and Mr. Davis decide to use Mr. Davis's CalFresh benefits at larger chain stores and farmer's markets to be able to buy more food for the same amount of money. The provider and Mr. Davis also decide on a food storage plan, including Tupperware boxes. They also review the benefits of canned food 
and the utility of a can opener. Next, the provider reviews some foods that are high in calcium with Mr. Davis and encourages increased calcium intake. Finally, the provider also reminds Mr. Davis of upcoming appointments with his psychiatrist. I hope that felt realistic and was helpful for you. Let's recap some key points from this podcast. 1. All the other things. Review the medical and social problems for your homeless patient. While addressing nutrition is important, make sure to review basic shelter, mental health, and an emergency contact at some point during the visit. Also, remember that a variety of economic and social policies have contributed to a heterogeneous homeless population. 2. Gathering information. Understanding where Mr. Davis gets his food provides insight into the nutritional content of that food. For example, food from homeless shelters is usually different from food served in soup kitchens. Know your local resources for food assistance. 3. Planning it out. While anticipatory guidance can feel mundane, it is helpful to increase compliance with behavior change. Be sure to troubleshoot affordability, transportation, and food storage. 4. Closing. Remember the importance of having the patient repeat back the changes they plan to make. Remind your patients about upcoming appointments they have with other providers. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. This podcast was made possible by the support of the Area Health Education Centers of California, the California Public Health Training Center, the Western Region Public Health Training Center, and Medical Scholars Fellowship by Stanford University School of Medicine. Thanks to Virginia Fox for her feedback, support, and advice. Thanks to Leia Sling and James Seifert for their superb acting. Can we pause just for a bit? Chicken.